It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And we'll kick the show off with our local report. Nate Blazing joins us with S&W Guide Service. And uh, Nate, uh, always keeping a very close eye, not only here on the Brainerd Lakes area, but across the entire state of Minnesota. But uh, he's been out fishing. uh, uh, Some cold hands, I guess, today, Nate, huh? Really cold, Brian. We're about 15 minutes in. I'm starting to get some feeling back. So (laughs) as much as I love to fish, uh, it's getting to be that borderline where some of the fun's gone when especially when you got a little wind like we had today yeah it's been it's got to be tough out there right now and and you know it's going to turn around for at least a week it looks like we're going to get into the 50s for next week and then back down in the winter like uh you know temperatures again so basically is that, am i safe to say we're in the 11th hour of the uh, open water fishing season I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, I think this cold snap we had here the last week, week and a half, kind of got everyone really shifted gears into thinking about ice fishing. Uh, I know it did me. I went out and bought a portable, a flasher, and I think a bunch of other guys are looking at ice fishing stuff and actually even heard of a a few guys that were crazy enough to go out on some ice, not in this necessarily area, but uh, a little too early for that. But one way or the other, I think more people are, thinking uh, about ice fishing they are boat fishing at this point how has the fishing been because i've i've heard some mixed reports uh you know some people have done pretty well depending upon where they're at uh for fall fishing others have said they've struck out um what would you say on on fishing right now well i'd say we're in the latter of those last two days um about a week ago uh, right when we got the nasty weather that started moving in, I had my last guide trip in that snowstorm. And I wasn't expecting much, and it was probably one of the better fishing trips I've had all season, especially for big fish. Uh, we cracked that 30 mark. One of the clients got a 30-incher, and I think we had between 15 and 20 fish that were that 24, 25 inches bigger. So it was really, really good. Um, a week off. And the last couple of days, uh, stuff has definitely changed. The weather or the water temps are in that 43, 44 degrees and just can't even really mark the fish. Uh, I've been covering a lot of depths anywhere from, you know, that weed line out to 50 feet. So I don't know if that means they're real shallow, which, you know, usually your October full moon is good for trolling and shallow. So maybe most of those fish are up real shallow, but even did cruise some of that four to six foot on the bow looking for somewhere you could usually see them and, and couldn't. So the walleye's kind of got me scratching my head and all the more ready for, for ice fishing, I guess. Uh, crappies are still going fairly decent if, if you want to go out in the cold. Uh, fairly deep water, anywhere from that 30 to 50 foot suspended. Uh, the thing is with a lot of those crappies, though, if you're catching them, you're probably going to plan on keeping them because they're coming out of deeper water where they're blowing their, their airbags. So uh, try not to, you know, pound on those and try and let fish go because a lot of them won't make it. So be pretty selective on that. But uh, that is about it, other than I know some of the musky guys. Um, they are very excited. This is their favorite time of the year. Um, a couple of my buddies have been saying that, this is their deer hunting, and so they're going to be out in the boat quite a bit. But uh, I don't know, not me. 
Um, I know a lot of the guys are saying they were having some follows casting. Um, the fish would follow to the boat, and then they'd have uh, a sucker uh, on a dead stick, and that's where the fish that they'd been catching were coming on the, on that. So, again, I don't do a whole lot of musky fishing, especially in the fall, but this is when those guys are looking for that real, real big fish, so I think the musky guys are going to be on the water quite a bit right now. Yeah, and I've actually seen on, on like, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, uh, some people have been having some pretty good luck with muskies right now. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. Uh, I haven't seen any real giants yet, but, again, this October full moon historically is when the real big fish come out uh, for all the species. So I would love to do it. It's just I'm kind of beaten up right now, so I don't think I will. What about the big pike? If people want to go after them right now, Nate, what would they want to do? I think right now, again, you'd, you'd concentrate on that outside edge of the weeds or, again, at night trolling in the shallow water. Um, the thing with the water temperatures now, the tulipies usually spawn right around that 40-degree mark, so if you got some rocks, uh, the tulipies will be up on that, and whether it's muskies, big walleyes, big pike, they're all going to be there feeding on those, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the guys doing the night trolling actually hook into some big pike doing that too, so... And as far as the walleyes go, uh, tactic-wise, Nate, do you want it? I know you, you're you a jig guy. Uh, is that kind of the tactic you would uh, point people in the direction to? Yeah, I'd say the the main thing that we've been doing is Lindy rigging has been the best with big, big chubs. Uh, they're kind of hard to get, but there are still a few available. Uh, we had some success on a leadhead jig and actually a smaller, either a golden shiner or a rainbow chub. Um, and then still a few on the jigging wrap, although that seemed to kind of die off. I think the, the key has been to probably go a little slower than normal just because the water temps are so cold, so you got to kind of keep in front of them in their strike zone for a little longer than you would if it was a little warmer. So fish slow, huh? Yep, yep. So that's something to keep in mind. A uh, couple of news items we wanted to touch on, Nate. Uh, one of them is uh, some new regulations up on Red Lake. Yeah, they just announced those earlier this week, and I, I believe it's three fish for the winter season, and of those three, uh, I think it's one can be over 17 inches, which, you know, I, I give the DNR and uh, the Red Lake band credit. Uh, they're pretty proactive on moving that slot around, and, with as much pressure as that lake's gotten the last few years, um, I think that's a good thing, and I expect that lake to be crazy busy again this year as long as the ice conditions are conducive to it. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think it's going to really deter a whole lot of people away from it. It should be a really good, good bite. Uh, it might be a little tougher to get your unders, but again, you're catching fish, so people are going to have a good time. So I, I think that's a really good, I like that slot limit. Yeah, uh, trust me, stretching a line is all really a lot of us want more than anything. And Red Lake is definitely a good place to go do that. Absolutely, and you know, even if you don't get all the fish that you're looking to eat, you're still going through quite a fish that you're catching to get to those. So like you said, no one's really going to be disappointed when they're catching quite a few fish, even if they can't keep them. Anything new on the uh, Walleye Alliance front? Yeah, actually, we've been pretty darn busy. A um, couple of things. We were slated to stock some walleyes in the gull here actually about this last week, and our fishery supplier um, 
called and they can't get the fish out right now out of their ponds because the mother nature when she decided to go to winter a lot of their ponds froze up so we kind of had to put a stall on that and what that's going to force us to do is reapply for our stocking permit in the spring and i'm pretty hopeful that we should be able to get those fish in the spring uh so there shouldn't be an issue there the dnr did get their fish in gull um probably three weeks ago now so that's the vast majority of them so gull should be sitting good for stocking we just want to kind of top it off if you will in the spring so i'm hopeful that that'll happen and then we also we had a board meeting last week and we had to make the decision what to do with our spring banquet since that's kind of our our big deal and our main fundraiser and we weren't able to have it last year uh, we decided to move ahead with that, um, and I'll kind of update folks more here in the near future as things progress, but we're looking at April 22nd, um, still working on a speaker and all that good stuff. Uh, we know there's going to be a lot of challenges with the COVID stuff, so we will have tickets available online at our website, which is www.walleyealliance.com. And then we'll probably make a final decision, say, a month out if things are looking like it's a possibility to have it. We'll go ahead. If not, we will reimburse folks. But uh, it's kind of a tough decision, as you know, what to do with that kind of stuff for the banquets and stuff. So we decided to kind of start moving ahead, but obviously we want to be safe. Um, so we'll see what plays out here in the next few months on that front. So people just uh, – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, uh, so people want more information, just keep an eye on the uh, Walleye Alliance Facebook page, basically. Yeah, and once we firm stuff up, we'll start advertising quite a bit more. It's just right now we just started that preliminary discussion about moving ahead with it. So, um, yeah, you'll you'll hear some more as as we get the, some more things ironed out here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So, And then the, the last thing I was going to touch on is, um, again, our efforts last year to – work on the new walleye limit statewide which was down to four and we had a bill carried was uh carrying that and it kind of got hijacked with all the covid stuff that happened at session so we met with carrie as well as some other local representatives and we're going to give it another whirl here this session and hopefully more normal stuff gets discussed at session um so the good thing that the year delay did was give us more time to talk to quite a few other folks and i gotta say uh especially with uh, the dnr not being able to do their milking this year of fish um and the extra pressure that the lakes got we have not really heard anyone that's been in opposition of it so it's given us a chance to kind of promote a little more um as soon as the elections are done I think you'll probably be hearing more. We'll hit the ground running and really start promoting it again. And once session starts, we'll we'll hopefully have some hearings in the House and the Senate and hopefully get that through this year because I think uh, it's a will be a really beneficial thing for the state of Minnesota for walleye fishing. So that's something we'll keep an eye on and keep you posted on as well. I'm getting a sense, Nate, that we got one more week of uh, you know 50-degree weather before we tiptoe back down into the the winter type weather again so uh i don't know it's just my own gut feeling i'm sensing you're looking forward to ice fishing now more than anything else i am i mean i love this <laughs> time of the year usually boat fishing this is when no one's on the lake and i i, I love it but i gotta say <laughs> as you were reading me that uh i'm sick of fighting the cold and the conditions so at this point, yeah, time to switch gears. I might get out a time or two again this week, but I'm ready for ice fishing, and 
hopefully we get some good ice and not a whole lot of snow and have a good year, uh, unlike last year's ice conditions. Right. Yeah, that was a nightmare. So, uh, yeah, hoping for yeah something completely opposite from last winter. So there you go, Nate Blazing, SNW Guide Service, and uh, you can check him out at uh, snwguideservice.com as well as many other places. Nate, I really appreciate it. You had some great info throughout the spring and summer for us, and uh, we'll probably won't be talking to you every week now from here on out, but we'll chat from time to time, and uh, I really appreciate all that you've done for us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk here real soon, okay? And that goes right back to you, Brian. Thanks for helping us out as a walleye alliance as well, and uh, anytime you need anything, give me a call, and I'll be fishing. Thanks, Nate. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head up north as we like to do from time to time, bring in Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji with the Up North Report. And uh, we're going to talk some fall fishing with Matt. We're going to talk a little waterfowl hunting but the first thing I want to get into, Matt, with you is grouse hunting because uh, I know a lot of hunters have been out doing some grouse hunting, and uh, I've heard mixed reports. How are things up by you? I have not heard mixed reports. All I've heard is that everyone is killing or was killing a lot of grouse until we got all the snow. Um, obviously, when the snow cover gets a little thicker, then the birds start to use the trees a lot more, and, you know, um, it shies away a lot of the road hunters, which there was like a record number of road hunters, I think this year. Um, but every, everyone was doing really well. I know, I know people who do like some of the roadside surveys, um, bag surveys, um, and they were reporting some really, really high harvest numbers. Like this is going to go down as one of the better years. And, uh, a lot of them from the DNR are really, actually excited that things slowed down because harvest numbers were so high for a while there. Well, that's good to hear. It's it's been a really good year, and we've been out a lot um, chasing every species of grouse in Minnesota, and bird numbers really, really good. Um, We've had some, like, 25 bird days, some 17 bird days where we're moving, uh, moving that many in just a few hours, and and I think the best bag day we had, me and Tate shot nine, uh, nine one day. So it, it's, it, yeah, it's been a good year. I never did hear the drumming counts. Were they up from last year? Uh, drumming counts, I think, I, I can't recall. They were either similar to last year or maybe down a little bit last. Last year was actually the peak, um, but we had such a wet spring that um, the, the hatch wasn't very good last year, so bird numbers really weren't as good as they had hoped but they were still pretty decent um but this year it was a super dry spring and nesting was really good and and the bird numbers are showing i mean uh, like i said everyone did very well especially in the north uh, where there was hardly any rain Um, brood survival rates were really high and and there were a lot of young birds so people were able to capitalize on that and, you know, here we had a lot of snow. Some of it has melted off because we had a, a bit of a warm-up here. 
Um, and it looks like it's going to get warmer heading into next week. Up by you, did you guys get a lot of snow up and around that Bemidji area, and is it going anywhere? Yeah, we had, I mean, we had enough where, you know, I was wearing knee-high boots to go uh, to go duck hunting or grouse hunting or whatever, and doing stuff around the yard. I mean, there was plenty of snow. I, I drove the snowmobile, <laughs> um, and there was enough to almost get the four-wheeler stuck a couple times here at the farm, and um, so there was plenty, but it's, it's slowly been melting off. You know, we're not getting a strong, heavy melt by any means, but, um, enough of it has melted down where my yard's about 70, 30, um, snow versus grass or leaves, uh, <laughs> more so leaves than grass, I guess. But, um, but yeah, and, and with the warm weather coming, it's, it's just going to get better and, um, grouse hunting should, should be really good leading into deer opener and. You know, and hunters that are heading up that way, Matt, uh, maybe to do some grouse hunting, if they had to ask your advice, do they want to get deeper into the woods or maybe still work those trails a little bit? Um, probably deeper in the in the woods. Um, I've tried to shy away from the trails as much as possible this year. You know, I had that fall out of the tree stand last year, so I didn't get to really hunt much. So this year I, I told myself I was going into it with, um, with both feet forward and I was really going to grind away and, and work the dog really hard. So I've been off the beaten path more than, more than I have since I was probably a teenager. And, uh, I was lucky enough to draw a prairie chicken permit this year too. So I actually made it a goal that if I was able to get a prairie chicken, that would start my season up right. And, and I would chase every grouse species in Minnesota. And I was lucky enough to, to cap off my Minnesota grouse slam and, uh, was able to bag a prairie chicken, a sharp tail, a rough grouse, and a spruce grouse all in the same season. Plus, I shot a, a hybrid, and, uh, and that was kind of a bonus bird. So it was it was really good, and I spent most of that time off the beaten path. But uh, the birds aren't going to really come to the to the road for grit as much right now as they would have earlier in the season, and all that clover is mostly either covered up or frozen out. Um, so you know, look at regrowth stuff uh, edges of clear cuts or 15 to 20 year old aspen regrowth they're eating buds and catkins and and stuff like that right now and a lot of birds are sitting in bushes uh yesterday i had nasa go on point on two birds up in a tree and uh obviously he was pointing the scent from when they hopped up in the tree and he was on point and there were two, two birds sitting in a tree straight above him and and i just let him go watched him fly away and that was, was pretty cool, but I think a lot of the birds right now are spending a lot of time in trees and shrubs and bushes eating catkins. So, and for the uh, sharp tail and the prairie chickens you were talking about, did you have to head west for those? Yeah, so prairie chickens, there's only a few zones, um, and they're all in kind of the western Minnesota, starting up toward like Deep River Falls, and then it drags all the way down. Uh, you know, south of like Rossay and uh, down toward like Fergus Falls, Pelican Rapids area. Um, but I hunted right around Fertile um, on the Glacial Ridge National Wildlife Refuge and had some beautiful walks. And I love, I love getting back to the prairie. It reminds me of my childhood, and and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, hunted sharp tail over that way as well, and up in Northwest Minnesota as well. So. So yeah, did a did a fair bit of traveling this year for sure. 
Well, that's good to hear. Uh, get out and enjoy it. That's <laughs> one of the things that we, we can do right now. Uh, I've heard duck hunting's been pretty good. Yeah, it's it's been a little weird. Like, uh, we still have some, like, local ducks hanging around. <laughs> so people are still shooting teal and wood ducks. Um, but you're also shooting, like, common mergansers and and uh, buffalo heads and goldies and canvasbacks and you know, some of the more northern ducks that don't really, uh, you know, we don't have a huge local population, and you can tell they're migrants. So, you know, you might shoot a a, a, wood, a hen wood duck with little to no fat on it that just refuses to, to let go and leave. And uh, and on the same hunt, you might shoot a golden eye that has, you know, a quarter inch of fat on it that came <laughs> from Alaska or something. And, uh it's really a weird mixed bag, but there's there's constantly birds trickling in and trickling over, and um, you know I would say for on a normal year, if we had this many ducks around this time of year, um, everybody'd be really happy. So there's the trick of getting out. Um, a lot of the lakes, especially on a calm evening, you know you wake up in the morning and you got to bust ice in the morning getting out, um, and some of the little potholes that usually hold ducks and that are little honey holes from time to time those are all frozen up so so it's good but weird yeah sounds like a little tricky thing to deal with um let's switch gears matt to fishing because uh you know obviously we're kind of getting into the i don't want to say the 11th hour of fall fishing but we're getting towards the end usually around deer season is when things start to wrap up uh what are you hearing up by you still pretty good yeah, I actually, believe it or not, um, I had a buddy come up and he talked me into going fishing. So um, so I fished, what was it, last weekend, last Saturday? Yeah. And uh, we just fished deep basins for crappies and we did very well and we found really big schools. Um, so fish are, you know, they're already starting to stage for winter. Um, and we hooked a few toothy critters as well and they were out deep you know like 38 feet of water so everything is kind of pushing toward that fall that fall pattern which i'm sure they've been in for a long time but i just haven't seen it because i've been bird hunting (laughs) Um, but i'm hearing and seeing reports too of people doing very well so the fishing around here is still still going strong and the access on bemidji is is i mean it's never empty and some days it's pretty loaded so a lot of people are still out chasing walleyes and muskies on Bemidji too so cranks is that kind of the thing still Matt or do you want to go a different route if I were out I'd maybe pull some lead core with crankbaits but I would imagine almost everyone on the lake right now that's walleye fishing is is doing something like jig wrapping um you know just vertical jigging jig wraps or tikka minnows or darters or something like that um I would guess that that's what most people are doing. Otherwise, rigging or jigging big minnows, too, that can work really well in the late fall. Um, so I guess that would be my plan of attack power going walleye fishing. But it's really hard if you go fishing in the fall to avoid um, chasing those suspended crappies when they're schooled up so tight. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of fun. That's what I was going to ask you next is what about the fall crappie fishing up there? Yeah, like I said, we did pretty well last weekend, and... And there were several boats on on the basins and holes, and 
I'm imagining everyone did did fairly well, and I've seen plenty of pictures of people with some pretty good bags of fall crappies. So, so that right now is, I mean, it's easy pickings. You find fish on your raft on on the deeper basins, uh, you know, suspended over the deep, deeper holes, and you're going to catch fish. I mean, they're stacked like cordwood, so it's not real tough. There you go. That's the Up North Report with Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check him out at northcountryguides.com as well as all over social media. Matt, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we're going to talk a little hunting on the show this week. We bring in Brent Beimer with Beimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Brent's on his way down to Illinois to do a, a bow hunt, and uh, boy, I tell you, Brent, this has been a real interesting, well, I don't even want to say do we have fall. Right now, I, I'm almost looking, it's like winter. The wind is whipping out there. There's snow everywhere. Uh, makes things interesting. It certainly does. You know, the snow come a little early, uh, cold out. Uh, one good thing is it's free rut. Things are happening. Bucks are starting to go crazy, and the cold weather puts them on their feet during the daylight. You know, when it gets warm out and it's still rut or free rut, a lot of that action is at night, and we don't get to see it. Um, so the cold weather puts them on their feet, so it should get really good. It's starting to crank up. Probably like us a little bit to where you get a little chilly, you got to get up and move around a little bit, and then you're fine. Absolutely, yeah. They get cold, too, a little bit. They get on their feet sooner, you know, especially, like, going forward way into late season. The older it is, the better the hunting is. But we're still in the best time of the year right now, so things are just starting to crank up in the woods, and those bucks are uh, getting on their feet. I've been seeing uh, a few good ones starting to fall lately, so... Yeah, that's the thing I've seen, too, is uh, some hunters having a lot of luck out there, and I think this snow might be somewhat helpful for them, huh? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's just beautiful in the woods, you know. Kind of funny, though, you, I look at some trees, and they got green leaves on them, and there's snow laying on top of the green leaves. That shouldn't be in that uh, order. Those leaves should be gone, and then the snow, but a little early. I'm not, I'm not ready for it yet. I, I'll... I'll take some grass, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally agree with you there. Um, let's talk about, you know, doe urines and stuff like that. That's big this time of year, especially pre-rut, Brent. Uh, how does that play in? And with the snow, does that change how you want to place it? You know, um, you don't, yes, it does, because the snow can dilute it out a little bit more. So uh, using wicks, little key wicks, hang them in the tree. Uh, get them good and soaked up. You know, it's some days, you know, we're in that 30-degree stuff um, to where it won't freeze solid. But if you pour it down in the snow, they're still going to smell it. But eventually, as that melts down some, it's going to dilute out. Um, you know, Mrs. Dopey's uh, landmine, you can place that into the ground. That stays liquid in there as long as it doesn't freeze hard. But even if it freezes hard, they still got that urine smell there all the time. The landmines have been huge success for a lot of hunters for a while. We've been carrying them, and they just blow off the shelves. So uh, those will work real good 
right now and in through gun season. But if guys haven't set a landmine, they should get one set now. And we always talk about decoys too, Brent. Um, I'm sure, especially with the snow, things are a little bit easier to see. Uh, I would think they're real, real valuable right now. Yeah, I, I love hunting um, with the decoy this time of the year. Um, he, here on out, I pretty much, if I'm in an open area, I got a decoy around me somewhere. I've decoyed so many deer in, even if they're small, little, whatever. Uh, it's pretty, pretty fun to see the reaction what goes on. I've had my decoy attacked. Um, but proper placement, you know, you gotta you gotta use that decoy to your advantage. So you really gotta pay attention to where the wind's blowing. Because nine times out of a ten, a buck, especially a big buck, is gonna come downwind of the decoy. And so you want to face that in towards you. So that buck goes in between the decoy and you. He's keyed in on that decoy. Shouldn't be looking at you at all. Should give you all the time in the world to draw on him and get him shot. So if you haven't hunted with a decoy, you're really missing out. It's a lot of fun. Now, you you know, we t- we're talking pre-rut right now. We're just uh, days away, really a couple of weeks from the gun opener. By then, would you predict, Brent, we'll be in full-blown rut? Yes, I believe it's going to be just cranking up um, even better and better right to gun season. And I think those bucks are going to be on their feet chasing like crazy. That gun season falls on about the perfect time this year, so they should be up and going. You know, I'm looking out the window right now, Brent, and I'm seeing how you know the wind is blowing and stuff. You wanted to talk a little bit about stand tree stand safety because you've actually know some people that have taken a tumble already this year. I have three people that I personally know that have fallen out of tree stands. Um, Thank God none of them are life-threatening, paralyzing, or anything like that. Um, In my opinion, they're all a little lucky. They're all a little beat up. Concussions, um, broken ribs, but... I can't emphasize enough that they get a harness on, you know, get in that tree, get a harness. There's there's um, climbing ropes that as you climb to your stand, you hook your harness to it, and then you just slide your rope up. Most falls happen from tree steps to deer stand. Um, so then once they're climbing on, they're still attached to this rope. And they can't fall at that point. Once you get up there, you detach from the rope. You quickly just go over. You get clipped on to your clip. You're safe in your tree. Once you're locked on, you cannot fall out. And you and I were talking off air. I mean, you had a a significant knee injury earlier this summer. Uh, You're recuperating somewhat, but you're still not not 100%. But um, you're taking extra precautions for that very reason in your trip here down to Illinois, right? Yes, um, going down, we're putting lifelines in all of hands. I don't have the strength in that leg to step like I would with my other. Well, that's where that step onto that platform. I don't necessarily have that strength that I need to just easily climb onto it. So all of them are getting lifelines set on them, and those are the ropes that, that you go all the way up the tree with. Um, they simply attach above your head in the tree. You attach them to the base of the tree. 
we've got a rope that uh, a knot on it that slides up, but when it goes down, it locks. And uh, I don't get in a tree anymore without a harness on. I haven't always necessarily used the climbing rope, but like I say, this year with this knee, it's not a hundred percent. So we're going we're to take some extra precautions. I think that's very smart of you. Uh, one last thing, Brent, before I let you get back on the road, and that is uh, you've got the 2021 Matthews that are going to be coming in here in November. So uh, hunters that are looking to upgrade their bows, they might want to keep an eye on those. Yep, absolutely. It's always an exciting time of the year. I can't remember the release date right right now. It's mid-November somewhere in there. Um, it's it's always really exciting because we don't get to know what it is until that box shows up at our shop and it's like a Christmas morning present. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just can't wait to get our hands on it to shoot it. So um, right now, any remaining Matthews that we have in the store, we got $100 off. Points um, are on sale as well. And then uh, inventory is a little thin. So it's been hard to get this year in 2020. So hopefully next year, 2021, we get uh, moving forward and get things back on track. But right now, rut's here. It's coming. It's going to be fun, so get in the woods. Well, last time, you know, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. The last time we had you on, you actually said if you want to get some maintenance done on your bow or something like that, uh, get it in immediately because you can't get the parts that you normally can in the quick fashion that you normally do because there just aren't any available. Yes, and it only became worse and worse since then. I mean, we've had to struggle finding arrows and releases and whatever we can at any distributor, manufacturer, whichever. I mean, it's just been tough. Um, just before I left here, I did see a box from Easton show up. I didn't open it let the boys do that, but... I know we got some more arrows in, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I got a suggestion for you. You know, you mentioned about, you know, it's like Christmas there uh, when the new bows come in and stuff and then, you know, box of new arrows too. You should put up a Christmas tree like the 1st of November or maybe even the 1st of October when a lot of this stuff comes in and then just put it under the tree and then come like right around gun season invite customers out to come open them up you know? yeah right yeah <laughs> you yep. know just and decorate the trees all you know with like camo tinsel and uh stuff like that i don't know i'm thinking yep. outside the box here but probably too much right. coffee anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we usually have a little tree and uh all the new presents underneath of it so nice well, that's Brett Beimert, Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. You can check him out just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. And uh, safe travels. Good luck hunting down there in Illinois, Brent. I know you always have a lot of success down there, so I'm glad to see you being able to get back out on the woods. Yes, it's uh, it's been a long summer, but moving into fall, I couldn't take it anymore. I just had to burn down for a little bit. Things are happening here, too, so... Um, you know, I, I had to make a decision. I'm just going down a quick run, get some things set, coming back home, uh, hunt a little bit maybe before gun season, and then feel out during gun season. So everybody stay safe and good hunting. There you go. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. More Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. 
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. A lot of hunting talk on the show this week for obvious reasons with deer opener on the horizon. And uh, we bring in Kelsey Lashar. She is with the Minnesota DNR and the Wildlife Health Program. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's talk about CWD because uh, that's one of the things that you're kind of heading up on uh, with the DNR and you're very heavily involved in. And uh, we've got a, a bit of an issue with that here in Crow Wing County, and I thought maybe I'd let you talk a little bit about that because right here in that deer permit area 604 is kind of a hot zone right now, isn't it? It is. So uh, CWD, which stands for chronic wasting disease, is a disease that affects the deer family. So this is everything from deer, elk, uh, mule deer, reindeer, caribou, moose, um, and it's a fatal disease and it's neurologic. So these animals will have this disease for a year and a half to three years before they start to exhibit signs. Um, it is always fatal. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. Uh, we did fa- we found a wild deer with CWD in February of 2019, and so we've been doing surveillance in the Brainerd-Aiken area um, for the past two years uh, just to make sure that it hasn't spread any farther than that. And basically what you guys are looking for is hunters to participate in you know taking deer and getting them tested and everything how's I, I from what i heard last year there was a lot of hunter participation in that um you, do you foresee that happening this year as well yeah so last year we were really surprised obviously it was mandatory testing last year because of dpa 604 that's just one of the regulations that if you're going to hunt in that deer permit area you have to get your deer tested um and so we had really good compliance it was in the high 90 percent um, this year, because of COVID-19, uh, we didn't want to have any face-to-face interactions with hunters um, just to reduce the risk to both hunters and DNR staff. So this year, it'll be voluntary. Hunters can drop off their deer head at a um, self-sampling station, and we got six of them in the uh, DPA 604, and I can rattle those off to you in a minute. So hunters will drop off their head on a voluntary basis, uh, and then they'll get collected a couple times a week, and we'll pull the samples and get them shipped off to the lab. So far, we're seeing only about 30% compliance, which is lower than we would like. We really need hunters to, to submit these samples because there's no way to actually see how the deer herd's doing until you know we actually get samples and test them and see uh, what the results are. So we really need hunters to, to submit their deer for testing, especially the adults. The fawn are, uh, fawn are less likely to have the disease, um, but those you know mature bucks and those older does, those are really important to get tested. And if you do want to drop off a sample, um, you can visit one of our self-sampling stations at either Brainerd or Pine River, Nisswa, Emily, Aiken, and Crosby. And one question I get a lot from hunters is, what do I do with my deer carcass or, you know, once you get it, uh, you know, skinned out and everything like that, what do I do with the hide? Uh, what, what would be your answer there? So if you're in any other part of the state that you don't have um, CWD, you can do what you've always done. But since we have had a wild case in DPA 604, we want hunters to be really conscientious of what they're doing with the carcass. If an animal is positive, those prions, which cause the disease, are going to be throughout the whole carcass. And so we want to make sure that we're getting these off the landscape um, and away from potentially contaminating other other deer into the future. And so um, if you shoot a deer in DPA 604, number one, get it tested. Number two, um, you can um, skin it out like you would normally. Um, If you keep the hide to do deer gloves, you can do that. There's some drop boxes around for like MDHA. 
Um, you can quarter up your deer. We would suggest that you freeze the meat um, and wait till you get test results until you do anything further with it. And then the carcass uh, can go to the crowing landfill. And so there's a couple ways that can happen. The crowing landfill themselves have a dumpster on site, so you can bring your deer carcass straight to them. Uh, right now, for archery season, we have dumpsters at Brainerd, Aiken, and Emily. But starting with firearm season, we'll have dumpsters at all six locations. We also have a tripod and some supplies. You can actually quarter your deer on site. So after you get your deer gutted, just visit one of our six sampling sites, um, use the tripod, get your deer quartered up, and then throw the carcass in the dumpster, and we'll take it from there. You know, you mentioned getting it gutted, and I don't want to, you know, use a bad term here, but what do you do with the gut pile, as we like to call it? Uh, do you leave it there? Do you is, is there anything you need to do with that, too? The gut pile is, is less risk. So the majority of these prions, if your deer is positive, are going to be in the head and the spinal column. So that's the part we want to get off the landscape. There is a very low risk um, involved with the gut piles, but not enough that we, are at, that we are suggesting that people scoop their gut piles up and put them in the dumpster. So if you've got your deer in the woods, you can just leave it there, um, but the, that, the rest of the carcass is what we want to get into the dumpster. And the feeding bands obviously are in place. I know hunters are a little frustrated with that too, but there's a reason behind that. Yeah, so with the feeding and the attractant ban, we're basically trying to reduce the amount of artificial congregation of deer in the wild. So we know that deer are going to touch nose to nose all the time anyways. You know, during the rut, there's going to be a lot of deer interaction, um, and we can't stop that, and we don't want to stop that. But we can halt the human additive. And so by taking away feeding and attractants, we're reducing the chance that a deer could potentially spread it to another deer because otherwise they wouldn't have interacted if a human had not placed that food or bait or attracted out um, to bring them in. And meat processors, are you getting a little feedback from them as well? I mean, I assume they're still taking deer. Yeah, so last year we had several meat processors um, who are on board to help us. Um, they're also listed on our website, um, so you can check them out there. However, across the state, across the nation, we've um, run into a little bit of a COVID issue. So because the domestic meat uh, market has been sort of disrupted by COVID, most of the meat processors are actually booked up through next year with just hogs and cattle. So a lot of them have said, I'm not touching venison just because they don't have time or the manpower to handle venison. It's not really to do with CWD, um, but it is more to do with the fact that they just don't have the, the resources to handle venison right now. So my number one suggestion would be call ahead, call your meat processor, um, and then make sure that they are taking your deer. Um, we do have some listed on our website, but again, they can change their mind at any time. So it's always best to call ahead and uh, just make a plan. And we get this question too, and I've heard various different answers on it from various different people, but you know, can humans get CWD from eating venison? Maybe they didn't know that this deer had, you know, uh, CWD. Is, is that a possibility or is, are humans safe regardless? So to date, there's been no reported cases of CWD infection in people. However, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, does recommend that you do not eat a known positive animal. Um, there have been some studies um, that, that show that CWD might pose a risk to non-human primates. Um, they were feeding CWD-positive meat to monkeys, and some of them were um, found to be sick and ended up dying after eating that positive meat. So at this point, the CDC says don't eat it if you know it's positive. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, if you guys don't get enough samples because you said it's down, uh, what does that mean? Are you going to continue to test for a longer period, or what are the other options there? 
part of it just depends on what the end of the season brings. So um, as I mentioned before, we've been doing this intense surveillance for the wild deer. This is year two, and we had a three-year plan in place when this first started. So regardless, we're going to do sampling again next year. Um, it sort of depends on if we find more positives. Um, we haven't found any except that one. We're really grateful. In the last, since 2017, we've tested over 12,000 deer. So we're very confident that this was not in the wild prior to that one deer that was found um, less than a mile from the positive deer farm and crowing. Um, so we'll have to kind of see what, what the end of the season brings and then make a decision after that as to additional sampling past next year. It's going to be interesting because my feeling is, I mean, I don't have any numbers or anything like that, just a, a gut feeling for me, but I just feel like with everything that's gone on and people being kind of shut down and everything, I think we're going to have a record number of deer hunters out there. So I, I think it's imperative to get this message out because I think if, if we're going to have that many hunters, we're going to have maybe more deer harvested, which means you guys could end up with a lot more samples. So I just hope hunters actually take that into mind and uh, heed this advice. Yeah, I, I do, same as you. I don't have numbers right in front of me, but I think uh, harvest is up 10 to 20% and license sales are up massively as well, too, which is super exciting. People, a lot of youth were out um, over MEA weekend. A lot of them were successful. That is wonderful. That's super great to hear that we're starting to get more youth back into hunting. Uh, we need more of that wherever we can get it. Absolutely. Anything non-hunters should know about this, uh, Kelsey? So uh, the one deer that we found in Crow Wing County that was positive was actually reported by a non-hunter. Um, it was someone who was doing some cabin maintenance and saw this sickly deer and then found it dead. So if you are a backyard bird feeder or just someone who doesn't hunt, you can still keep an eye out for sick deer. And if you see an animal that looks sick, um, some of the symptoms you're looking for are it's going to be um, really skinny, um, head will be drooping, it might be drooling a little bit, um, kind of lethargic, and it doesn't really seem to be afraid of humans. Um, call your area wildlife office and let them know, and we'll get out there and, and try and get a sample. Um, the more people that can report these kinds of deer, the better chance we have of uh, being able to test that deer before the coyotes get to it. Yeah, and can coyotes, I mean, can they get it too and then spread it as well? At this point, it looks like only deer are affected by this disease. So coyotes should be fine, dogs should be fine, but it's it would be passed to other deer. That's something uh, to keep in mind as well. Anything else, Kelsey, you want to let us know about before we let you go? No, just get your deer sampled and have a plan, um, especially if you think you may harvest a big trophy this year. Uh, call around for taxidermists too. There is a carcass movement restriction, so you can't pull that whole carcass out of the zone until after you get test results back. So you need to be able to take care of that deer within DPA 604. Um, as I mentioned before, you can check out our website. Um, just type in mndnr.gov slash cwd. We have a whole bunch of information on there um, about meat processors and taxidermists, where the stations are, what you have to do. Um, and we'd love to get, be able to get more samples. So keep bringing them to us. There you go. Kelsey Lashar, she's with the DNR in the Wildlife Health Program. Kelsey, great information. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck here in the coming weeks, okay? All right. Thanks very much, Brian. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Stream us live at todaysbestcountry.com or brainerdoutdoorsradio.com, and we're all over the podcast networks. So wherever you download your favorite podcast, search Brainerd Outdoors. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Zealand Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.